Blog Talk Radio. Mubarak, 
Next thing you know, the camels have lost their mind. Why? Because all of a sudden the people in Egypt say, wait a minute, if our brothers in Tunisia can get rid of that clown who was a president, we can get rid of this clown who's a dictator, who, mind you, before we forget, President Obama showed a lot of love to him when he was up there in the Northern Territories when he was on the continent sometime last year. Check out my show. I think it uh, it has to do with Obama's trip to Africa, and you'll see my comments about how he was talking to the uh, Mubarak, who is now out of power, and when he got down, we feel like this. Let's let's do a better equation here. When he went to the plant, when he went up to the big house on the plantation and hung out with Massa, he saw what we mean. Mubarak and those guys. He was getting love and. This is our ally against in the war against terrorism, and this is our our man who's spearheading the peace initiatives here in 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 the Middle East and North Africa and stuff like that. But then when he went down to the cotton fields of Ghana, you know, where all the where the black folk was, it was about you need to have democracy, you need to allow freedom of speech, you cannot oppress the newspapers, you cannot do this, you cannot do that. Dignity is a human right. Well, um, I want to make sure I understand this correctly. Mubarak, who was one of the most corrupt leaders on the planet, corrupt leaders on the planet, he's arm in arm giving him love. But the minute he goes down to the cotton field and talks to the black folk, well, you know, the little heathens needs to know better. And then what happened? Lo and behold, Mubarak's out of power. I believe the old president of Tunisia was uh, Zin al-Abedin Ben Ali. I believe it was his name. If people, if I'm incorrect, please correct me. So anyways, the Jasmine Revolution, which spread from Tunisia to the East Coast, went over to Egypt and got rid of Mubarak, who was now hiding out down the resort. He hasn't left the country. Why? Because they snatched his passport. He can't go anywhere. Interpol has an arrest warrant. Off. Well, not an arrest warrant, but they have alerted people that if he leaves the country, he can't, you know, we need to know where he is. So... Next you know, Yemen is starting to get down. Not Yemen like, you know, like uh, Rastafari. Yemen, the country, Y-E-M-E-N. Bahrain starting to get a little love there. You know, the people are saying, we can't take this anymore. We're not going to put up with it. The Saudis are a little nervous. And just when people thought that it was all over in North Africa, words started coming out of Algeria, that uh, those folks are having a little issue with what's going on. We need our, free- we need our freedom. We need our, de- our democracy also. So the uh, president there fearing to uh, ending up like uh, the former president uh, Ali and former president Mubarak is starting to initiate some reforms with the people in Algeria. And then we think everything is fine, mind our business. I get an email from a colleague of mine saying, Sahi, what do you think is going to happen in North Africa? And I said, watch out for Libya, and I said, watch out for a few other territories. And my colleague asked me, why did I say that? And I said, because, let let me explain something to you. Uh, Muammar Gaddafi, he's not one of those guys who's going to say, you know what, we'll allow reforms tomorrow, and then we'll have some kind of election in six months. Uh, President Muammar Gaddafi's attitude is surrender by tomorrow, or in a few months, you'll be irrelevant because you'll be dead. The crackdown that uh, President Muammar Gaddafi is doing in Libya. Why people are surprised is beyond me. This isn't. This isn't. You know, some of these some sub-Saharan African countries, countries down there who are like, oh, we need to get peace and democracy, and then they fly in some junior envoy from from Washington, and all of a sudden the people out there wearing their little suits are all happy. Hey, the West is here to support us. Libya is a little different. All right. Now I have to give the proper introduction for our battle here as we enter the ring. 
So on our right, we have the people of Libya coming from the east, coming from the stronghold of Benghazi, saying we're not going to take this anymore, rising up, taking arms, military defectors, pilots ejecting their planes instead of bombing the people, folks flying low on the radar, going to Malta so they can avoid being detected. The people of Benghazi, people give it up in the right-hand corner, fighting for democracy. And to the left, standing at 6'3", the prime minister of Libya, the secretary general of the General People's Congress of Libya, the incumbent took power in 1969 in Libya, chairman of the Revolutionary Command Council of Libya, chairperson of the African Union in office 2009 to 2010, people standing 6'3", 240, the big sand dune, Muammar Gaddafi. Okay, that's better now. Anyway, so now we are at a stronghold of what's going on up there in North Africa. But here's my issue, and this is why I want to do this show. If I recall correctly, it wasn't shortly before all this took place. There was a situation going on in Ivory Coast, Cote d'Ivoire, as it would be, right? So let me read you today's description about the show while we, we came this up, while we came up with this. Ivory Coast is split in half. His former president wants to cede power to the newly elected president. In Gabon, well, they currently have two presidents not by choice, mind you, in Tunisia, a college-educated street vendor after having committed suicide by setting himself on fire, ignited a revolution that toppled Tunisia's long-running president. In Egypt, the people removed her long-running serving president, Mubarak. In Libya, Gaddafi is under siege by the people, yet it may lead to a Gaddafi moderate on the, on the, uh, the presidential throne. As Salih said, Libya could easily turn to another Somalia. The sands are burning with the revolution. Will the fire of the revolution spread to the bush? So my question as we take our first commercial break is, people, whatever happened to Ivory Coast? Because that was a serious situation because you had the people elect one guy, and the former president said, I'm not leaving. So let's talk about this on the other side of our break. And I want to say, people, you have been missed. I have missed you guys. It's been a while, so please bear with, bear with me as I get my bearings. Today we're up in the Northern Territories, so let's give a little love to uh, the Arab music. So I think we should give a little uh, paint of black.
indigo turn a deeper blue I could not foresee this thing happening to you problem this is an issue that's uh this is an issue that came up my good friend bamba uh, brought it up a little while ago i believe he's from Cote d'ivoire and the issue is Cote d'ivoire was a big situation um what was happening there and it seems like the minute something happened in the north it was totally forgotten about everything in sub-saharan africa has been totally forgotten about let's see if i can give you a little audio clip here to explain a little bit what's going on on uh ivory coast about uh, little concerns in the UN. Violence across Ivory Coast has brought the world's top cocoa grower to the brink of another civil war, according to the United Nations. The latest warning came as further clashes erupted between loyalists to incumbent President Lauren Bagbo and Alassane Ouattara, the man widely seen internationally to have won November's disputed election. On Friday, rebels controlling the north of the country seized a small western town in government territory on the border with Liberia and are now reported to be moving south. Although not a key axis, the fighting there is being seen as a major escalation in hostilities between the rival camps. In Abidjan, meanwhile, thousands of residents have been forced to flee as heavy fighting continues in the city. So tell me, this was not too long ago, I'd say about three weeks ago, I believe, if I'm, if I'm correct, 
they're placed on the brink of civil war. But I don't hear a talk about a possible no-fly zone over Côte d'Ivoire. I don't hear about massive sanctions. I heard about, you know, travel bans on the uh, former president who doesn't want to step out of office. But this guy's unleashing militias on the people. In fact, a couple of days ago, there was a march by the women in Côte d'Ivoire, and the guy who won't step down from power, he unleashed the militias on the march. They killed, they shot women dead in the march, and you don't see the outcry. And I'm really feeling for my friend Bamba because as a Congolese, you're sitting back saying, wait a minute, we're seeing, a, we're seeing destruction on a level of almost up there with the revelations taking place in, the, in sub-Saharan Africa. But you don't see President Obama coming out there saying that President Kabila um, it, it has lost legitimacy by what's happening in the East. You don't see him saying that President Kagame has lost legitimacy by how he's cracked down on opposition in, in Rwanda. And I mean, I don't mean cracked down like, you know, love tax. I mean cracked down, okay, we're going to throw you, your lawyer, and the judge in jail in case he has something to say about it. So my thing is, is it the issue of oil? I mean, people always made the issue with Iraq that, hey, there's oil there, so that's why we're going to go there, or Iraq, I call that. So what exactly is the situation? Libya only produces 2% of the oil market, uh, the oil production. The Saudis came through on OPEC talking about that they will cover that basis, they will cover that uh, shortfall. Yet, if you're looking at airline right now, surge charges are going up, particularly for international flights. And speaking of international flights, let me give a shout-out to uh, Sharon. What's going on down there in the OC? Some because I'm out the Caribbean, you know. Outside the Caribbean, the OC, that's actually Orange County, just came back from New York, did a show out there where she rocked it in Manhattan, great dancer over there, UC Irving. Irvine. So the black British of Jamaican heritage giving you love. What is going on, Miss Sharon? Hope you're doing well, resting up, being cool, being you, do what you do. Now back to the group, people. So again, where is the coverage again for Côte d'Ivoire? Let me give you a little article here that we pulled from our archives, uh, not our archives, but off the wire today. Uh, it's from the Star Telegram. It says, Ivory Coast election winner still not in office is going to attend the African Union meeting. Yes, we will get to those cowards, the African Union, in a moment. Uh, this was put up Saturday, March 5th today. It's by uh, Rukmini Kalmaki uh, the, by the Associated Press in Abidjan, Ivory Coast. Ivory Coast internationally recognized leader, Alassane Och, uh, let's see, Watara, says Saturday that he will attend a meeting of the African, lead, African Union leaders in Ethiopia next week in the latest bid to find a resolution to his country's escalating crisis. The March 10 trip will mark the first time Guatara will leave a hotel where he has been under 24-hour UN protection since being declared winner of the November 28th election. His rival, sitting President Laurent Gbagbo, is refusing to leave office. The United Nations says at least 365 people have been killed in a three-month-old conflict, most of them supporters of Ouattara. Ouattara. I'm sure I'm killing that last name, so I apologize. Bagbo faced a wave of criticism Thursday after a video showed how his army opened fire on a group of women calling for his departure. At least six were killed. U.S. Secretary of State Hillary Clinton called Bagbo selfish for attempting to prolong his rule, and the State Department spokesman described his regime as morally bankrupt. That's it? That's it. Now, if that was Gaddafi and he won the election and the former president wouldn't leave, he'd say, we'll just bomb, we'll just bomb the mansion where the president's living called a day. This was going on. It was a three-month-old conflict. You're not hearing anything about it. We won't even begin talking about Gabon. Well, they have two presidents. Yes, you heard this. Uh, this is two presidents. I don't know what's going on. 
But people, something in the coverage is not right here for me. What is it that justifies Libya? Libya right now is going to fall into a civil war because, one, there's a historical rivalry between Benghazi in the east, I believe it's in the east, and Tripoli, which is the capital. Not Serti, which is Gaddafi's hometown, but between Tripoli and Benghazi. Already, uh, military um, air, uh, vehicles are being moved closer to the coast of Libya, into the Mediterranean. They have a lot of uh, hardware there, ordnance. But what you're hearing already is that they're forming a provincial govern- government in Benghazi. Senator John McCain said the other day that we should, that the United States should establish some kind of diplomatic relations with the provincial government and that he's been pushing for a no-fly zone over Libya. The problem, though, is that the people, there's a scene in, in, in um, uh, Justice League of America, Christ of the Infinite Earth, where Lex Luger is fighting an alternate version of Superman named uh, an organization called the Crime Syndicate. Superman goes with Lex Luger to this planet, and as, Lex, as uh, the guy named Ultraman flies in to deal with uh, Lex Luthor, Superman says, I can take him. This guy is essentially the, uh, uh, how you say, uh, the alternate version of Superman, even though he's not. Lex Luthor says, if it's going to mean anything, it has to be me. This is what he's saying. And by that he means if the, if the, if the victory is going to mean anything, he has to be the one to achieve it. The Libyans have made it extremely clear extremely clear. This is the people said they do not want Western interference because they know their fellow North Africans uh, and also the Arab uh, constituency constituents and also the Muslim constituents are going to say they needed the Americans to come to power to get rid of Gaddafi. And you know Gaddafi will milk that for whatever it's worth. Why? Because let me tell you what happened recently in Libya on the other side of the break. All right? People... We're going to have like a little uh, Middle Eastern tinge, a little Arabic tinge to the music today. So let me see if I can give you a little uh, sting is from Britain. So I'll, we'll use Britain as a little shout out to uh, Sharon. Get a little smile on her face and I have to say a happy birthday to her fellow uh, black British, also of Jamaican heritage, Patricia Grant, whose birthday is today. People, commercial time, Desert Rose.
let it ride, let it ride, people. We are back in the world. We are back in the world. I forgot to give the information out there. Listen, you can chat with me if you're seeing me live on the, on the switchboard. You can come to me. You can chat with me, send in a question if you want. It has been about two and a half months, so you probably have a lot to talk about. I have about 100 email questions already, which I won't do today, but I know next sometime this week I'll do a show specifically to answer the questions. And it has to do with Congo, Hollywood, entertainment, education, all kind of stuff. So, we will dedicate one show. We can answer those uh, questions of you, of you, and you know I answer them. I have no problem. If you want to reach out to me on the on the uh, telecommunication lines, you can reach out at 646-595-2892, 646-595-2892. And don't forget to check me out tomorrow. I believe we have a show scheduled for 8 p.m. where the show is entitled Cinema Africa. Is Cinema Africa finally getting the love? Does it matter it's finally getting the love as long as the Africans love it since it's our story or are we falling into that trap of hoping other people dig our stories, even though there's 100 million Nigerians who are doing things with Nollywood? I don't know too many who are saying we want other people to appreciate our stuff, the stories for us. If you like it, cool. If not, no problem. But we're going to see if we can get as a guest on our show, uh, Mr. Sadiq Abu. I'm reaching out to him. He's with uh, Sacred Drum Theater. They have a show coming out. I believe it's a TV series called Maison Blanche. Great stuff. Uh, Bombajan is a part of that group, or Daryl is a part of that group also. We'll see if I can get him on air. If not, we'll see if we can pick him up later on during the week. We did a show about them when they did a play called uh, Far From Angel's uh, Gaze some time ago. Check it out. It was a good show, actually. Uh, Profile their play they had done. Real good play. Uh, We're going to see if we can also get that crazy Kenyan. Ben Benjix or Bendrix or Chiano. Uh, I'm always saying with a Congolese accent, but that's my man. We did a show on him a little while ago, and it seems like every time I check the numbers, that show is going up. So go back. Uh, that's Ben Ochiang. He's actually in a, my movie, Once Upon a Time in Congo. Uh, he's shooting a film right now. I don't know if I'm allowed to say what it's about. First, I'll let him bring it up. And he just finished, I believe, a smooth in England. Uh, Haas came via uh, South Africa. So, again, it's Cinema Africa, I believe, tomorrow, 8 p.m. We're going to talk about the industry. There's a lot of Africans in Hollywood doing what they do, and a lot of Africans overseas uh, reference to producers, writers, doing great things. In fact, last week at the Pan-African Film Festival, I saw the movie The First Grader. Great story. Oh, my goodness. That doesn't get nominated, you know, for something. Like an Academy Foreign Film? Is there something wrong? Great film. Great film. Saw that Naomi Harris and another gentleman whose name escapes me, about an 84-year-old man in Kenya, true story, who wanted to get his eighth-grade uh, diploma or degree. Diploma, right? Yeah, he wants to, to complete the eighth grade. Oh, it's a touching story. Uh, it's produced by the brother of a good friend of mine, Siaka Harding. So we're going to talk about these things tomorrow. So tune in. You have any questions, email them in, and uh, I'll answer them, and we can talk about it. Cinema Africa, that's tomorrow. Now, today is Revolution Africa, or Revolution African. So what is going on? Why is it that Libya, why is it all that Africa is getting all the love right now with the revolution? But yeah, Gabon Ivory Coast is getting essentially the footnote. I haven't seen uh, UN I haven't seen UN Ambassador Susan Rice talking about Gabon of Cote d'Ivoire 
I haven't seen him talking about anything essentially of South of uh, Southern Africa, Sub-Saharan Africa, if you want. I'm not really into that phrase, Black Africa. I'm just not really into that. I think that's kind of a neo-colonial uh, creation of a, of a label, and I'm just not really into that stuff. I'm with Sub-Saharan Africa. Um, why is that? What is the what's the situation? Are we are Africans uh, responsible for that for not making the case? And where are those cowards? The African Union. You remember them? They used to be the organization of American states. Isn't that that's what used to be called? Oh, the OAU, or the OAS? Or, no, no, no. The Organization of American States. That's the Latin America associate uh, grouping of of southern uh, of uh, Latin countries. My apologies, that didn't sound right. I'm thinking about what, is it, what would they used to be called? The Organization of African Unity was separate. They were protected from the West and felt that because they were so educated, they could lead the African nations to the post-independence world. You know, like Mugabe, who is essentially, you know, still in power down there in uh, Zimbabwe, but they won't put a no-fly zone over him. Which reminds me, how is Zimbabwe able to import electricity from Kinshasa from the dam? But the folks who live two blocks from the dam, they have no electricity. We got to talk about that this week. We, we have to get all my Congo stuff. But anyways, so I ask you people, I think it's a matter of perspective, and I think it's just a matter that the North Africans, particularly Libya and those things, they're partners in the war on terrorism, as Ethiopia is, as Somalia is to a certain extent, but Ethiopia is. I think that's what the situation is. I mean... There's no reason why Ivory Coast, or Côte d'Ivoire, should be going through what it's going and not getting any press coverage. It's always the Northeast. You look on Meet the Press, you look on Christine Amon Poor, and they're talking about Libya, Libya, Libya. But people, there's a, a brewing civil war happening right now in Sub-Saharan Africa, which is going to affect, if it hasn't already, which I believe it has, the neighboring countries. Yet that is getting no love. Should it be an issue that the international press isn't making that the front page or the cold front page headline with what's going on in Libya and North Africa? Or is the Africans themselves to blame for relying on other people to talk about what's going on in our own culture? What do you think? Let me know. Come to me on the chat board. Call me in if you want. But that's something I really would really love to, to have answered because for me, that. It's really a disgrace. It reminds me of what happens in the United States at a crime scene where oftentimes that if there was an episode of Law and Order, it was called, I believe, Red Ball. Not Red Ball, not episode. And it was a young black girl got killed and a young Anglo male got killed. And the opening line to the police chief when they came to the scene of the crime was that, oh, okay, the police is here because a white boy got killed. Now, I wonder if you take that extension of that statement and expand it to Africa. Is there really beyond the fact that they are, it, it could possibly affect the war on terrorism or the allies, that Libya is getting this much attention, but Gabon has two presidents right now, which can lead to civil war. And they are an oil-producing country because people seem to forget the United States is importing more oil from, from Africa in terms of Angola and Nigeria than from the Middle East for this very, same, for this very reason. Ivory Coast, years ago, I saw this coming. If you check out one of my earlier shows, they were divided horizontally, north and, north, and, north and south. The incumbent president is coming from the other region. So is there maybe we should look at these peace deals or when people talk about coalition governments. But, again, let's take this full back to the beginning of this conversation. 
Senator John McCain is saying there should be relationships ex- uh, established with the provincial governor government in Benghazi. Do you believe that? And if by doing so, is it are we violating or is international law being violated or the spirit of law being violated or just human respect or dignity by saying this person is no longer legitimate because they are oppressing their people, yet are they, is the situation being created where someone else can say, whoa, 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 wait, 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 wait. This guy's doing the same thing to us, and you're not saying anything to him. And I think what's being exposed in this, and I think maybe President Obama is struggling with the administration this conversation, not but last year they had visited Mubarak, they had visited uh, Gaddafi, they had visited uh, uh, Tunisian President Ali. They had no. They, as far as they were concerned, they were going to be here for twenty, thirty, you know, thirty, you know, for life. Yet at the same time, the big complaint from a lot of people was that these people, you know, the American government or the Western government or the British government, you know, it's not just the West issue also, were were speaking democracy on one side, but was allied with undemocratic um, governments on the other side. As it goes back to President Obama's trip to Egypt, uh, about, I think it was sometime last year. Hey, Green Beasley, how are you? Thanks for joining us in the groove. When he stood next to Mubarak, did he know or was in the assumption this guy will be our ally for, our ally for life? And it goes a little deeper. Were they concerned about Mubarak being the president of Egypt or they were more concerned about Egypt maintaining the peace agreement with Israel? Because what I see on Meet the Press and all the other shows is they're talking about the peace agreement. So are there more is there a Western interests more involved in North Africa as it relates to the Middle East than Sub-Saharan Africa. Is that why Cote d'Ivoire is now a footnote in the newspaper? Is that why Gabon is not even on the back page? It's like in that little special handout you get in the Sunday Times. Is that the reason why? What can we, the people, do to raise the profile of these, of these crises in the country? Because if war, civil war breaks out in Cote d'Ivoire, Ivory Coast, or civil war breaks out, in Gabon, it's going to affect neighboring countries, and for those that have not experienced refugee movement on a massive scale, it is not something that is hand, that can be resolved with a no-fly zone. So I ask you people of the world as we go into our next break here, hope you guys are doing well out there. I'm doing fine. I really miss you guys. Like I said, it's really, really, really been a long time. So let's go over there to Lebanon. It's a good friend of mine,
minutes left here on the PM side of dawn as we can wrap up our long lost show. So will the revolution spread to the bush? Do you think the revolution that's taking place, the revolution that is taking place in North Africa, will it spread to Southern Africa, the Southern District, the Southern Region, Sub-Saharan? Will it go to Congo? Will it go to Angola? Will it go to these places where these folks have been in power? Will they get the support and media attention as they are? Up in the northern territories Me, I believe the answer is No I just It, you know, that's just my opinion I think it will take I think it's going to take One thing I think is dynamic That's a little different between the north And the south but Let me give you a little bulletin that just came in From um, one of our producers in the field I won't read the whole thing if the Libyan rebels capture British soldiers, this took place today. Uh, United Kingdom's diplomatic mission backfires as Gaddafi's foes back to his battle. This is coming from uh, the Newswire services about an hour ago, actually. Tripoli, Libya, Libyan rebels have captured a British Special Forces unit in the east of the country after a secret diplomatic mission to make contact with opposition leaders backfired, Britain Sunday Times reported. reported. The team, a number of up to eight SS soldiers were intercepted as they escorted a junior diplomat through rebel-held territory, the newspaper said. 
The foreign office said in a brief statement it could neither confirm or deny the report. Earlier on Saturday, the Geneva-based Human Rights Solidarity Group, which employs a number of Libyan exiles, told Reuters by telephone that a team of eight special forces personnel had been seized by rebels. Both the Ministry of Defense and Foreign Office repeatedly declined to comment on the group's report. The SAS intervention apparently angered Libyan opposition figures who ordered the soldiers locked up on the military base, according to the Sunday Times. Opponents of longtime Libyan leader Muammar Gaddafi fear he could use any evidence of Western military intervention to rally patriotic support away from a two-week old uprising against his 41-year-old autocratic rule. Remember what I said a little earlier? That people would really, rarely have a problem with this if any Western influence was uh, tied to this, because even the rebels themselves have said, we want no foreign intervention in this group. If word was, that, if word was to get out that the British uh, special office, uh, special uh, operations officer was captured or detained, that would definitely be advantageous to the Gaddafi uh, loyalists. So, as we come down, people are about to ready to line it up. Well, I, do I think the revolution will spread to southern Africa? It all depends. I mean, 8 million dead Congolese, no-fly zone. 200 women raped last week, no-fly zone. Sanctions, nothing. So I think the difference is that the people in North Africa, it's the people who are speaking for the people. As in, as in Gladys, they said, it was the people. We are elected by the people to, to speak for the people and to support the people. I think what's happening is that in North Africa, if you notice, it's the people who have initiated the movement of revolution. In sub-Saharan Africa, though there are people working very hard and diligently to initiate the revolution, the movement for change, too many of the voices have been undermined, have been hijacked, have been abducted by people whose cause is based essentially on their checking accounts. Their SUVs and their NGOs and their advocacy is tied to how much funding they can get to continue on with their high salaries. And if a few little bush Africans die along the way, so be it. I think once the people, because one thing about the West, the Americans, the Canadians, the British, or what have you, if you study the history, their culture is founded on the people leading the revolution, whether it's in Britain, the U.K., whether it's through the revolution, the Civil War, the American Revolution, or what have you. So I believe, I'm confident in saying, and after this a couple of years ago when I was speaking, that should the people of Congo start the movement? and say we're going to speak for ourselves and not let anyone else speak for us, I think you'll see more of a partnership, more of a support from Western countries. I think the same in Rwanda, in a country that's dominated by the Bahutu. It makes no sense that the oppression there is being tolerated. But again, I'm learning from a good friend of mine, uh, Luis, up in Vancouver, that there's a cultural and historical reason why there seems to be silence. As she has said, the silence needs to be broken in Rwanda, not Congo. So, again, I believe me, myself that if you look through history, when the people make the movement and they affect the change and the course of change, good things, regardless of the consequence, will happen in the end. And I think when you look at sub-Saharan Africa, will the revolution go to the bush? Will it? I think only when the people say, 
enough of enough. Enough is enough. As James Cagney said, we're not going to take this anymore. And I think when you see the people say, that's it, we're taking care of business, then you'll see President Obama and these other people come out and say, we're going to support maybe a no-fly zone or sanctions or what have you. Because according to uh, my research, there is no military personnel on the on the coast of Cote d'Ivoire or Gabon, except to evacuate people. So let's see how this plays out, people. Let's see how this works out in the next couple of weeks. We'll do another show in about – we have a show tomorrow at 8 o'clock, Cinema Africa. We'll definitely pick this up later on, maybe do an hour and a half. I'm looking forward to having a friend of mine call in. Actually, if we can work this out, the logistics, call in from Egypt, live and direct, to give the unfiltered, unsanitized news of the street. Now, we've done three cuts here. Let's get a little deep here. How should we bring it? How should we bring it? I don't know. Let me see. Let me see. Let me see. Let me see. Because we have to do our last commercial break. Into Lebanon. Um, uh, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Let's, 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 let's go a little house. Let's go a little international here. Let's get a little. Uh
Potter. I got to do some floral movement about a second, but my knee hurts. I got to stay in the chair. Oh, I am alone. That is Nika. So, people, we have five minutes left, and I just got a text message from uh, one of our listeners who's actually in – where's the prison clock? I'm texting me from anyways. Oh, my God. They are actually in Belgium, probably the ghost of King Leopold. But anyways, Saeed, she says, thank you for the love. Uh, for all the women out there, I guess it was my show I did a while ago, dedicated to the Congolese women. And she asks, can you do a song in the final minute dedicated to the women for women, is it Women's History Month or something like that? I'm not too sure exactly. So I think we can do that. We have five minutes left here, so I want to give a lot of love to everybody, all the ladies out there, the ladies who are holding it down, all the married women, the single mothers, some of the single mothers and the married men and treating righteous ladies. It was said in the movie The Crow that mother is the word for God on the lips of all children. All of us are here because of a woman. We need to show the love to the women. I love telling my young ladies at the campus that there are now more women on the workforce. There are now more women on the campus and then that they are now figuring out how to have uh, how to change this uh, gap in the population. So, ladies, you are loved. Ladies, it's all about you. Make sure you're treated righteous. You are held in high esteem. Jewel, is that you over there in the chat? What's going on? So, remember, you are God's representation on earth, ladies. There are women fighting up in North Africa in this revolution. There are women that are suffering right out, that are suffering along with the men up there. Some ladies got, uh, a few ladies got killed in the protest, and uh, every Hope and love. Let's give them a moment of silence to show. Let's not forget them. But let's remember the reason why this is happening in North Africa is because of the people. The reason why it's not happening in the media or what have you the way it is, it's the way it could be in Sub-Saharan Africa, is because of the people. So people, let's get together, unite our voice, go out there, lay it down, and call it a day. If you want change. It won't happen if someone speaks on your behalf. Because if I can't do it, you can't do it. You know what the ladies always say? If I can't do it, well, let's let 50 talk about it. Oh, time for the pop Saturday.
poppin' in the hood, G unit. Yeah. My was good, we waitin' on the act. I don't know how to act. I had to slip it to my jack. I blow him off the mat with the mat. Thinkin' it's all rap. See that ass be clap. The top say it's a rap. It's a rap. If I can't do at home, it can't be done. Now I'ma let the champagne bottle pop. I'ma take it to the top. Yo, I'ma make it hot, baby.